Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Craig Moore. What a piece. Beautifully struck home by Craig Moore and the Australian supporters go wild. Rickson's corner kick. And Celtic couldn't handle Wood on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Kale goes to Spencer. What about that? What about that? Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again. Good to have you with us for episode 39 of Shim, Spider, and so much more. Fair bit has happened since we last met. The Matildas were hammered again. Melbourne victory of party company with Grant Brebner. And the quadruple dream is over for Manchester City. Not happy, John. (laughs) Coming up later, we've got Hibs and Socceroos striker Martin Boyle as our special guest. But before that, uh, a big welcome. You've heard one of them already to my two weekly colleagues, Jelko Kalatz and Craig Moore. Good to see you, boys. How are you? Hello, boys. Yeah, good. Um, How are you feeling? How are you feeling, Simon? uh, Are you disappointed? Yeah, we'll get into that. Ian London calling. Um, I want to start today actually with uh, a couple of serious pieces of news, really. Uh, The first one, the news that the world game, uh, very iconic in this part of the world uh, through SBS television, of course, made famous by the late uh, Les Murray and Johnny Warren, uh, to be subsumed into a bigger sporting website at SBS. Kind of feels like uh, the end of an era. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, look, I had a lot uh, to do with SBS in my time back in Australia as well. So it is quite disappointing. And and we all know that it was known as the world game. Uh, everyone who followed football went through SBS at some time or another. Um, uh, really disappointing. I, it's, it's sad to see these great footballing platforms disappear. Yeah, no, very, very, very sad there because, you know, I remember as a kid, obviously getting all my football fix, uh, you know, through SBS, through the world game. Obviously, that you know, they covered our careers, Spider, as well when we were up and running. And uh, that was the main outlet. That was the main kind of provider of information of how we were doing when we were overseas. Uh, so very, very sad day uh, for football, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's kind of just another sign of, the lack of um, commitment, I guess, um, 
and and really our sport, as much as we'd love to see it as a number one sport, it really is second tier in Australia. It is at the moment. Let's hope uh, that's going to change over the next uh, few weeks. Um, just one more before we get into hard talk, uh, Maury, to you. It is uh, this weekend, I think it was yesterday, actually on Sunday, seven years on from the death of uh, Dylan Tombides. Wow, that's gone quickly. Uh, yeah. I know you're involved with the, the DT38 Foundation, as I am as well. It was their uh, sort of official um, uh, Remembrance Day, if you like, the game between Perth and Wellington Phoenix on Sunday. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, we know, we know obviously the story of Dylan Tombides and unfortunately it was a life that was lost far, far too early, uh, you know, but the family and, and, and with the, you know, the charity behind it and the awareness that's been raised, uh, I think it's fantastic. Seven years, you're right, Simon, it's, it seems to have gone so quickly, uh, but a great opportunity, a great day, uh, you know, for that awareness, uh, testicular cancer. Uh, men not speaking about their issues, not getting to doctors soon enough, quick enough. Hopefully, again, it's another day on the back of, uh, you know, the Dylan Tombides Foundation um, to, to recognise and to make sure that everyone is thinking and, and being able to communicate if there are any problems. Well said, Maury. All right, let's get into it then in Hard Talk. Hard Talk. Hard Talk is brought to you by Streamgate, one of Australia's first live streaming companies operating since 2008. They focus on virtual and hybrid events, broadcasting to unlimited online audiences worldwide by either a secure private stream page or publicly on social media. Live streaming allows social online engagement as viewers are able to communicate back to the presenters in real time while social distancing. So should you require a small personal event or business level webcast, please go to streamgates.com.au or you can find them on Instagram. Well, boys, uh, the big news of the weekend in the A-League is that Grant Brebner has been relieved of his duties at Melbourne Victory by mutual consent. Uh, after the 7-0 shellacking at the hands of City in the derby. Um, I guess the boards didn't have too much choice on the back of that result. Uh, but what of their responsibility, Maury? Yeah, it's, I mean, look, unfortunately for Grant Brebner, uh, on the back of the second uh, extremely heavy defeat against your, your rivals, it didn't leave the club much choice um, but to, to come to the decision that they have done. Uh, but I guess the question that you ask in terms of what is, you know, their responsibility in this process, Simon, clearly since Kevin Musker has left the football club, um, there's been a huge gap uh, or, or uh, you know, I, I think even speaking to Muskie, that the club seems to have lost its soul uh, a little bit. People that were really heavily invested to Melbourne victory uh, for many, many years. There's been a lot of changes. Um Unfortunately, the decisions in the last two appointments, coaches-wise, has not worked out. And when you're such a, you know, such a big football club like Melbourne Victory, who were really the, uh, the leaders in Australia, uh, then I can understand the concerns for, for everybody involved and how important it is that this next coaching choice is 100% correct. Spider, that leads me on to you. Obviously, you're pretty close with Tony Popovich. He is the name that's been mentioned. To be fair, Ufuk Tale has uh, been mentioned as well, but uh, you'd imagine that Tony Popovich would be pretty high on Victory's list. Is it a job that he would be interested in? Look, uh, 
a club the size of Victory, I think anyone would be interested in. Uh, that that's for sure. I think if that's the case and they really do want Popper, um, then it's the right coach to go after. I guess it all it'll all come down to whether Popper wants to take the job and whether he can get what he wants uh, to rebuild the club because he's the right man to rebuild the club. And like Maury just said, they need to get it right because it really is important for Australian football. Melbourne Victory is an important club and they need to be up the top, not down the bottom. And Spides, I mean, I don't know whether you'll agree. I'm pretty sure you will agree with me here. But for me, there's only three candidates for Melbourne Victory if you're talking Australian. Popovich, Ufi, as we've discussed, and I still can't believe for the life of me how John Aloisi has not been uh, or had another opportunity to get back involved in the game. Strong football club needs a strong character. And, and, and that strong character, you know, these three people are very, very strong characters and make sure that people stay in their lanes. Very, very yep. important for a football club. Yeah. What do you mean by that, Maury? Mate, well, don't, it's like your experience needs to ex stick to the experience that you have. When all of a sudden you have people that start to cross over lanes and start to want to influence or make decisions on things that they do not have the experience or knowledge of, then you and have... And you think that's happening at Victory? I think it's happened at Melbourne Victory, yes. Interesting. Um, it is the fifth time this season they've copped four or more goals. Um, they've conceded 42 in total, 13 of them, of course, without reply against Melbourne City. Um, we should give City some credit, Spider. They were very, very good. Uh, Jamie McLaren, five goals in the game, only the second A-League player after Archie Thompson uh, to achieve that. And, of course, they're now uh, top of the league, starting to sort of fulfil all your predictions at the start of the campaign. Yeah, they're playing, they're playing good football. Um, and like we've said uh, early on, mate, they're a very good side. They've got a very good squad. Uh, and what I like is that the manager, again, Paddy Gaznorbo, has just kept things running smoothly. Even when things weren't going great, he believed in the style of football and their style of football is fantastic. They, they create so many chances and their attack, like Jamie McLaren's a gun for the A-League. Like, seriously, guys, he's a very good player. Putting a boo in with him and then putting Noon on the other side and the youngsters that Paddy brings on in the last 15, 20 minutes to run raucous, I mean, they're, they're a handful. Run raucous. But, hey, no, you're right, Spide. <laughs> Mate, Maka, Maka is, is, is incredible in the A-League. I mean, five goals, an unbelievable achievement. Some, some really fantastic finishes, you know, in that, that match. Uh, we can't get away from the fact that, that Traore sending off played a huge part in this match. Obviously, a, a blew out late on. But you're right, Maka, in the form that he's in, um, Melbourne City are looking very, very good. And Naboo, Naboo is, is, is really bringing some, some great energy as well. And I think we touched on it a few weeks ago. Naboo, Maka and Noon, they're the best three in the country at the moment. And we're seeing it week in, week out now, which is great for Melbourne City. Terrific goal that uh, Andrew Naboot scored as well, even if he did ad admit in the post-game interview that it was a fluke well, and was intended as I'm a glad he had, I'm glad he admitted it. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a fluke, but mate, any goal is a good goal. Absolutely. Um, Central Coast Mariners, <clears throat> excuse me, couldn't find a goal going down 1-0 uh, 
uh, to Western United, which means that City are top of the pile. But uh, the big news out of Gosford, Spider, is the sale of Alokuo, which uh, has been confirmed this week. He's going to join Stuttgart as of next season. Is that the right move for him? Oh, look, it's a great, great signing for the boy. Um, I, look, I think we've had a lot of success with players going to Germany. I'm just a little bit weary and... Is he, is he not quite ready for that level yet? Because it's a very physical league. And that's my only concern. But I'm sure once he gets over there, they'll, they'll place him in the right direction, even if he goes on loan to a second division side. Do I think he's ready for the Bundesliga quite yet? Maybe maybe not quite yet, but he'll, he'll need time to, to find his feet more in, no? Yeah, you know, he will do. Uh, and I'm pretty sure this is uh, will be the work of, of John Grimaud. I'm pretty sure. Uh, the agent that's had a lot of success in players, Australian players that have gone to Germany. Uh, so again, Spider, the, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about the, the, the move, although that's a fantastic opportunity for the player, but it's, it's still, you're right, trying to find the right opportunity and the ongoing development in Germany so that they can progress as a footballer. But it's a wonderful yeah. opportunity for the lad. And like I says, I think it's coming from a partnership, Simon, that has been successful with previous players. So... Hopefully, uh, this can be just as successful as the previous players before him. And, and the other thing I, I like about this move from the club's point of view is that they get a six-figure fee. They've not revealed the exact number, but they get some money. I think yep. there might be sell-on clauses as well, You know, assuming that Alu does does well and moves on to bigger and even better things. Uh, so I think it's, it's a win all round, really, for the player and for the club's. Um, that's the way that transfer business should be conducted, in my opinion. Um, what about this story? And we didn't have uh, time to cover it last week because it hadn't actually come out yet in the Australian press that Manchester United are allegedly looking to buy the Central Coast Mariners and move them out of Gosford and to North Sydney. Now, not quite sure how much truth there is in this uh, story that United are almost over the line, but... Uh, clearly, a conversation has been had. On, on the surface, I think it's exciting. But for me, moving clubs around the country, uh, particularly out of Gosford when they've got an identity there, that, that's a no straight off for me. I don't know if you agree, guys. Mate, for me, it's simple. Someone wants to buy Central Coast Mariners, buy them. Fantastic. Invest in them. Keep uh, building the club. Keep bringing through the juniors. But leave it in Gosford. Full stop. Correct. No yeah. arguments with that. I agree. I agree with the two years. So I think we, we covered off on that one. Great to see someone like Manchester United and would love to see them invest in the game in Australia. But if it's the Mariners, it's got to be in Gosford. Okay. Uh, Western United taking a couple of games uh, to Tasmania. Uh, these talking of clubs uh, moving around. Uh, they got the 1-0 win over the Mariners, as uh, mentioned. Uh, Brisbane Roar, your old club, Maury, defeating Western Sydney Wanderers by two goals to one. Uh, Wanderers yeah. now five without a win, although three of those, to be fair, has been have been draws. Yeah. Um, what, what's going on with the Wanderers at the moment? Well, they're, basically, they're not, they're not firing the way that uh, I, I guess Carl Robinson would like. Uh, you know, they, they have a, a very good squad on paper. But as we know, football matches are, are not won on, on paper. Um, so he's, I think he's come out openly, you know, in terms of the result, after the result, saying that, you know, the team hasn't made the finals series in the last uh, couple of seasons. But it's, it's the expectation, uh, certainly this season. But they're playing catch-up uh, against Spider yeah, with, a, with a squad that really should be in the finals, let's be honest. 
Personally, I, I think the squad is <laughs> quite quite thin, Maury, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I think it's a little. I think it's a little bit unbalanced. Uh, I think defensively they got frailties, which is causing them a problem. Uh, when you concede, Maury, when you concede a goal a game, it means you need yeah. to score two, and it's very difficult to con- constantly score two goals or three goals in a game to win. Uh, up front they got firepower, but yeah, they're not quite there yet. They're they're huffing and puffing. Uh, their games are entertaining. I'll give them that much, but. Is it a squad that can win the title this year? No. I, I think they've... I'll tell you what they have to do is they have to make the top six, minimum. They, they should be in the top four, you know? This is the thing that bugs me in Australia. You know, we talk about... It's a 12-team competition, and we're talking about, oh, we just want to make the top six. Man, you want to win the bloody thing, not make the top six. Well, Sydney yeah. FC have, have won the bloody thing for the last two seasons. Um <laughs> but could not uh, see off Adelaide United. The Reds coming from two goals down. Tommy Juric uh, scoring again. Uh, he's had yeah. a good uh, return to the team after injury. Babo with both goals for Sydney FC. Ryan Grant sent off in stoppage time. Maury, got a concern for Sydney FC at the moment. Don't quite look to be as invincible as they've they've been in recent seasons. Recent years, 2-0 up, that, that would have been game over. But uh, there's just a little bit of vulnerability about the champions at the moment. Yeah, you look at probably just at the you know the last couple of games. Uh, it's just that, that game management, you know, something that Sydney have always been very very good at. Uh, and as you touch on, if you know two nil up against Adelaide, you'd like to uh, think that it was job done. Um, but Adelaide found found a way, uh, you know, to get back into the match. I felt it was quite an entertaining game. Um, in terms, Sydney, you know, exposed a. You know, it was a high back line. Adelaide not having good pressure on the ball. And Sydney got in behind them so many times, but they never put the game to bed. So yeah. certainly something that Steve Corrick will be looking at because that's a couple of, the last couple of games, you know, where you've been in a winning position and unfortunately not going on with the job. Yep. Had uh, the same problem, of course, against Melbourne City. Jamie McLaren with that uh, 98th minute penalty equaliser. Also a draw between MacArthur and Newcastle, also 2-2. Uh, stunning goal from Steven Yugarkovic and a debut goal for Charles Mombwa, another of the African diaspora. Uh, yeah. Spider Wellington taking all three points in Perth and uh, the Phoenix are now close to within four points of the final spots. Could Ufi Tale do it again, despite all the problems he's had this season? Uh, I think they play. I tell you, I, I like the way Wellington play. They've got a good brand of football. Uh, they had a really slow start to the season. Uh, they're playing catch-up now. But you know what? The competition's so tight that anyone who can go on a three, four-run winning spree, you know, you can, you can leapfrog a lot of teams. And, and that's what Wellington have done now. Uh, on the other hand, Perth will be worried. I, I okay. called it early uh, before, before the season even started. I thought they would struggle. Um, yeah. And you know what? They're, they're second or third last. They're somewhere down the bottom. And all the fire, all the firepower that they got Maury up front, mate, you got to build the foundations from the defence, mate. They leak goals for fun. For yeah, fun. And you're right. I'm glad you touched on that, Spice, because, again, we're talking about, you know, Western Sydney Wanderers potentially underachieving this season. Well, Perth, oh, my God. I mean, the, the position that they find themselves in with the players that they have, uh, Richard Garcia, uh, I know he's, he's a new coach and all that sort of stuff, but I've not really heard too many uh, comments about Perth Glory, but the situation and the, their positioning in the league, 
for me, is, is a massive, massive underachievement on what they've got in terms of their squad. I know they've got an aging squad, Spides, and they've had some luck with, uh, or bad luck with, with injuries, but they should be doing better. They've mm. got, uh, certainly, as you mentioned, Spider, plenty of firepower up top. But, uh, yeah, you've got to keep them out at the other end. Um, talking of new coaches, Tony Gustafsson. What a wow. start to life uh, for him as Matilda's coach. We, we touched last week on the 5-2 loss by Germany. Our, our podcast was recorded uh, before the second game, the friendly against the Netherlands. And if anything, that was even worse. They got smashed uh, 5-0. Are there major concerns for the girls ahead of the Tokyo Olympics? And just as an aside, I'm not sure a lot of people have picked up on this, but the last time we had back-to-back bad results like that for a national team, was Holger Ossick back in 2013. Now, he paid with his job. I'm not saying that should happen to Tony Gustafsson. Goodness me, he's only just taken over. But those two results, I think, have um, set a few tongues wagging. I think it's woken everyone up to show that we're not as high up as we think we are. Yeah, yeah no, I agree, Spides. Like I said, I mean, I think I touched on I'm not sure whether it was on the podcast or whether we were off here about, you know, the two heavy heavy results that you mentioned for, for Ossiak and... Uh, of course, it's not going to cost Gustafsson his job because he's just in. But they're two, they're two really tough results to take at this period of time when Olympic, not you know, a potential medalist hope we were going in as, and that was the the, the, the chit chat around the Tokyo Olympics and obviously with the Women's World Cup. What it clearly shows is that yes, we have some top top talent, but there certainly uh, needs to be some regeneration within this squad. And the importance of uh, a W League that has the right amount of games for our girls to continually develop and, and hopefully push into this Matilda squad is so important for the future of the women's game. We seem to have been talking about an expanded W League for so many years, don't we? Uh, talking about that next generation, good to see debuts at least for BT Goad and India Page Wrighty, Alex Hoon. And uh, Dylan Holmes, that's uh, part of Tony Gustafsson's job. In terms of the Olympics, uh, the draws for the pots this week uh, were done. Matilda's into pot three, along with Canada and China. They will draw one of three teams in pot one, Japan, the USA, or the Netherlands. It's not an easy game in that little lot. And from pot two, one of Sweden, Great Britain, or Brazil. So it's yeah. going gonna to be tough for them, isn't it? Very yeah, tough. yeah, very oh, tough. Yeah. But you know, it's all it's all about uh, preparing mm. the girls for these tournaments. We we got to do the best we can to prepare them for these tournaments, and even support the coaching staff. They need camps. They need time together. Like, you know, we we talk about the quality girls that we have that are playing for clubs all over the all over the place. But Maury, it's a big difference when you come and play for your national team. You need time to gel to a system and. You know, the, the new coach has come in now, Gustafsson, and, you know, he, he's, he's got his work cut out, that's for sure. Um, the Oli Roos, meantime, have been put into pot four for Tokyo, along with Saudi Arabia, uh, France and Romania. Now, I, I did the little permutations here. Here's the best-case scenario. They could get <laughs> Japan, Honduras and South Africa. I think that would be okay. The worst-case scenario, Argentina or Brazil... Germany and potentially New Zealand, which I mean that can go either way, can't it? When you when you play sort of a local derby, uh, yeah. so let's hope it's it's the latter. 
Um, all right, boys, uh, thanks for the moment. We're going to head overseas. London Calling. London Calling. Go further with the Australian College of Physical Education. With more than 100 years of experience, ACPE's courses are designed to get you career ready. Their bachelor degrees in sports performance and business, health science, applied fitness, education and dance can help turn your dream into a career. Find out where ACPE can take you. Apply online today for semester one 2021 at acpe.edu. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. you. So the quadruple dream is over. Manchester City beaten by Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-finals. Yes, my chin's on the floor this morning. Uh, but in fairness, um, Maury, City were pretty underwhelming in that semi-final. And what on earth has happened to Raheem Sterling? Yeah, I mean, it's just, look, it's just hard when you can be, the, you, can be you know, the best club in, the, in, in your country and the best squad and Sometimes when you're just not getting that that regular game time, I mean, he's not played a lot of football. I think the last seven, eight games, he's, he's not started. Um, so we know what it's like when you come in as a player on, on the back of very little time. Confidence might be a little bit low. You overthink things. Um, but Raheem Sterling's a, a quality player. I tell you what, but I mean, it's Chelsea and Tuchel and the job that he's done there. I mean, Man City didn't really create anything clear cut. Um, and I actually felt that Chelsea, uh, Simon, I know you're going to hate to hear it, but I, I felt that they were really, really comfortable with that victory mm. last night. No, they were. There's no doubt about that. Um, fully deserving their place in the final. And I think Chelsea will emerge over the next uh, 12 months as the biggest threat to, to Manchester City in terms of uh, domestic uh, domination, if you want to put it that way. A further concern for Pep Guardiola, an injury to Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, yep. which could keep him out of the Carabao Cup final next week. And just on Guardiola, uh, Spider, he's, he's, getting a bit, he's getting a bit of stick for making the big changes uh, for the semi-final. Now, in fairness, he only had two and a half days to prepare for it. They, they got through their Champions League quarterfinal uh, tie against Borussia Dortmund. He went with Zach Steffen in goal, who was probably at least partially to blame for the goal. And I think maybe of more concern with that semi-final in the Champions League to come against PSG. City showing signs that they are still on the odd occasion vulnerable to the counter-attack. Now, Paris Saint-Germain have got a front three of Mbappe, Di Maria and Neymar. They will take full advantage if there is a weakness there. Yeah, look, uh, bag and pep, it's a very difficult one for all managers because what they're trying to do is get the freshest team they can on the park without getting injuries. I mean... We, we know what kind of games Man City's got coming up now. Uh, the Champions League would be high on their pro priority list. Uh, they've basically won the, the EPL again. So I think all eyes will be on that trophy. Um, losing in the FFA Cup, yeah, it'd be disappointing for them. But 
he has to rotate his players. I mean, De Bruyne is injured again. He was out just recently for about four weeks as well. So, you know, you need your best players on the park in the big matches. And, you know, I feel for Man City. I feel for all these teams who play all these all these games in such short times. But the managers have got to make these decisions. That's right. And uh, he's certainly got a big enough squad to choose from. Uh, we'll, we'll return to the Premier League title race in a moment. Uh, before that, the other semi-final, Maury. Uh, Leicester City threw uh, to face Chelsea at Wembley. They saw off Southampton by the end of goal. Kelechi Iheanacho yet again in the FA Cup. Goodness me, he's had a heck of a run in this uh, competition. And I think that's probably fitting reward for a fine season for Brendan Rodgers and his squad. Yeah, no, Elliot, look, I mean, Brendan Rodgers, uh, again, probably, uh, you know, doesn't get the credit for the job that I think he's done at Leicester. I mean, you know, he's up there competing with the with the the big boys uh, that are spending far more money. Um, his teams always play a, a really uh, proactive style of football. Uh, he's developed some players and brought them onto the next level. Um, Ian Archer, by the way, what what about the run that he's having just now? That's incredible. That's, incre that's an incredible run. So for Brendan Rodgers and Leicester to to reach the final, uh, I think it's a great achievement. Can they go on and win it? Yeah, I mean that's that's now the next challenge for him. But he certainly had a fantastic season. I think Le Leicester have been good value this season. It's their first FA Cup final since 1969. Leicester City, the fifth time yeah. they've been in the final. And they've never won it yet. We'll see if that uh, changes against Chelsea. Uh, we said we'd return to the title race, Spider. You said oh, City have won the Premier League. Have they? Manchester United defeating Burnley by three goals to one. The gap is down to eight points, six games to go. Now, I remember back in 2012, United were eight points ahead of City. And yeah. City came back and stole it on the final day. Could something similar happen? Well, look, we're talking about two teams... One team's red hot, Man United. They are they are scarily hot at the moment, playing some really good football. But Man City's squad's deep enough to, to win the games that they have to win. They've got eight points clear, uh, six games to go. I know they've got the Champions League. Uh, their minds will be on that, but their squad's deep enough, Simon. Even though Man United, I mean, you know what? They're, they're playing some really good stuff as well. But I just think they're too far behind. Man United, if, they, if, if every single game between now and the end of the season is away from home, they've got a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They are near invincible on the road. Um, at the other end of the table, Sheffield United relegated after the loss at uh, Wolves. Uh, Newcastle's form has been terrific. Your old club, Maury, in recent weeks. Yep. Uh, the return of Alan Sam Maximin, maybe the, the catalyst. Uh, terrific yep. win against West Ham. Uh, Fulham did get a point against Arsenal, which just keeps them in touch. But uh, man, Newcastle they were unlucky. Well Simon. They, they were unlucky. unlucky. Yeah. Offside. I mean, the goal was it's, it's a VAR again, isn't it? Spies. The boy that scores is not offside, but there's no. there's somebody standing in an offside position that probably uh, blocks the sighting of the goalkeeper. Yeah, and Matty Ryan gets a flick on as an assist. Yeah, Matty yeah. Matty Ryan flicks it on and gets an assist. It's good to see him on the park for Arsenal, actually. Absolutely. Great to see him on the park. Um, Norwich City have been promoted after one season out of the top flight. Uh, congratulations to Daniel Fark, who's done a great job uh, at Carrow Road to get them back up. Um, heading out of the Premier League, Maury, Barcelona won their first trophy under Ronald Koeman. 
Um, a great goal again from Leo Messi. Terrific team goal. He was out standing in there. Copa del Rey uh, final win over Athletic Bilbao. Yeah, and look, I mean, a club like Barcelona, uh, Ronald Koeman knows the pressures and, and, and what needs to happen at that football club and it's winning trophies. And who knows how to win trophies better uh, than, than, than Messi, you know, again, to, to score uh, in, a, in an important match, to, to lift a trophy for Barcelona. So good news. Um, and also a really exciting end to the La Liga uh, as well. You know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, it's, it's close up the top there. So it's still an yeah, interesting... Real drop points tonight, Maury. There you go. Real, there you go. And uh, Atletico won 5-0. To be fair, Atletico bashed them. They played Elche. But uh, Real dropped points. But I still... I don't know why I've got this gut feeling that Barca is still going to win the title. I, I don't know why. I have no idea. You think it's written in the stars, do you? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they've been... They've, they haven't been great all year. You know, they had a two-month patch with our yucky poo and they've just come good at the right time and Atletico didn't get that far away from them and Barca can still see them. They're in their sights and that sort of worries me. You do love that yucky poo line, don't you? Um, <laughs> what about Hansi Flick, who's told Bayern he's leaving? Um, mm. He's only won six trophies in his 12 months in charge. But he wants to go. There is a rumour that he might take over from Joachim Lowe as the German national team coach, of course, which would be fair enough. But um, underneath the surface, Maury, there's this rumour of uh, discontent with the relationship with Hassan Salihamidzic, former player, of course, of some repute, his sporting director. Um, mm. And his CEO is none other than Oliver Kahn. Imagine working for those two and being subservient to two such great players. Yeah, oh, I mean, to be fair, too. I mean, I played against uh, both of them, actually, in the, in the Champions League when, unfortunately, we went out. Um, but two very, very strong characters, especially Oli Khan. Uh, very, very strong character. Um, they're Bayern Munich, but they always seem to find, find the, the, the right person, the, the way to, to continue to be successful. Hansi Flick, obviously... Uh, mate, he's, stock, he's stock sky high, Simon, isn't it? I mean, we know that Yogi Lowe's... Uh, for some time has, has, has announced that he would be leaving. You know, so Bayern Munich, who would be the next the next manager of that club? Who knows? It's only going to be the best, but they'll continue to be successful. And you've got good football people there in the sporting director and the CEO that certainly know um, what it takes to be successful on the field. I've got to tell you very quickly my, my great Oliver Kahn story. 2002, I was at the World Player Awards in Madrid. Uh, I think Oli Kahn got third or second that particular year. Uh, and you know what he looks like, Oliver Kahn. He's very, oh. very stern looking. Stern, and very I, stern. I approached him for an interview. I said, excuse me, Mr. Kahn, would you mind doing an interview um, for SBS? Because I was doing it for SBS in those days. And he said in very barking terms, I don't speak English. And I thought, well, <laughs> you just did. So thinking on my feet, because I speak a bit of German, so I said, wir können, wir können in Deutsch sprechen. And he just looked at me and went, nein. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Right. Um, final one on a, a much more serious note. And now the Champions League changes uh, this expansion to a 10-team uh, group stage, this big Swiss system, Super League. 
was expected to be ratified on Monday, but uh, news out of the UK overnight is that the big six clubs of England have signed up to a European Super League, or at least the concept of it, um, which I think is going to provoke outrage right around Europe, maybe not around the rest of the world, I don't know. But um, if this Super League goes through, we are going to see a fundamental change in football that may well be irreversible. And I don't think it's a good thing. That's my personal view, but I'm fascinated to hear yours, Maureen Spider. You're right, Simon. And by the way, I've just got the, I've got the television on the background, but I've got it on mute. Um, European clubs announced new Super League, breaking news. So there's obviously information coming out as we're live on this podcast uh, in terms of what that will look like. But for me, it's greed. It's greed. It is absolute greed. There is hundreds, uh, well, you know, a hundred odd years of, of culture, of history. Um, and, and for me, you're going to lose all of that. You really are. The, the Premier League is a fantastic competition. The Champions League is a fantastic competition. And then all of a sudden now we, we, we want these top, top six. So let me tell you, Man United not even in the Champions League. Arsenal are a million miles from Champions League. Yet they, they feel that they have a divine right to be in a, in a Super League with no relegation and to, to have the commercial opportunities uh, that, are, that are limitless. For me, I think it's crazy. I, I think we cannot and we must protect the game and continue to protect the future of the game, the fans, the clubs. I don't think this can happen. And I hopefully think that there's going to be a strong enough case against it, why, why it cannot happen. If there is a breakaway, Simon, that they're saying that players won't be able to represent their countries. So a lot of these kind of things, I hope, um, detract from this new uh, Super League taking place. Spider. Mate, I, I, I got nothing more to say. He said everything perfectly. Mate, it is absolute craziness. It's, it's killing football. It's killing football. The small clubs are just going to die away and the big club... Mate, it's like, it's like life in general. The rich get richer and the poor just die away. And that, that's what's happening in football now. What's your thoughts, Simon? Well, as I said, I, you know, I, I agree with everything that you've said. I think it's going to create a two-tier system. I mean, we, we virtually have one as it is uh, with the money available in the current Champions League. Um, they wanted to expand that. I wonder whether this might be a tactic because they've not quite got what they want, either in terms of money or more likely control of this new Champions League. And this is going to be a stick to beat UEFA and the, and the other clubs with. Uh, fascinating that the European Clubs Association, which represent all of the clubs around Europe, actually came out with a statement against this new Super League and seemingly went against their own chairman, Andrea Agnelli, who's one of the main catalysts for it, of course, the Juventus guy. Um, I hope it doesn't go through. Um, but even if it doesn't, it seems as though, you know, we are stuck with a bare minimum of an expanded Champions League, which again is going to change uh, the face of football across Europe. I certainly think it will mean the end of competitions like the League Cup in England. I think that will have to go because there simply won't be enough room on the calendar for it. Uh, maybe even at some point in the future, we'll see you know, the end of the FA Cup. And to me, that would be a tragedy, um, a competition going back you know, to 1872. But it seems that... Um, you know, tradition means little to, to these big clubs at the moment. And I'm, 
I'm disappointed and saddened that you know my own club is is one of the signatories to it, but you know can't say I'm I'm surprised by that. Uh, at the end of the day, it all comes down to money, doesn't it? And this yeah. constant uh, grasping for it. And Spider's absolutely right. The teams at the bottom are going to be the ones that suffer. And to do this in the middle of a global pandemic as well yeah. speaks yes. volumes for me that uh, there is very little care and attention being paid uh, to the plight, not only the smaller clubs, but uh, to supporters, many of whom might have lost their jobs, uh, you know, during this pandemic and are struggling to afford to, you know, support their team or, or uh, indulge in their favourite pastime. Anyway, no doubt this time next week, we will know a lot more on the Super League or the Expanded Champions League. Thanks very much, guys, for the moment. Let's get into our final segment. And we've got a great overseas guest awaiting us in Footballers Lives. Footballers Lives. Well, our guest today was born in Aberdeen in 1993 and started his career with Montrose before switching to Dundee in 2012. In 2015, he made the switch to Hibernian, where he's remained. And although he played for the Scotland junior teams, he became a Socceroo in 2018 due to his Sydney-born father. Hibs are currently third in the Scottish Premier League. And our guest is second top scorer with 11 goals. It is a big podcast welcome to Martin Boyle. How are you, Martin? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, it's great to have you with us. Um, first up, the uh, the Scottish Cup tie against uh, Stranraer that you've you played only a few hours ago. A good win and another couple of goals for you, having a fine season. Yeah, just going back, that's probably the best intro I've ever had. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hang on, who's on the show for the interpreting? Maury or Matt? Because I'm, I'm not going to understand anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll try to slow down. No, no, you're all good. You're all good. Um, so, yeah, a couple of goals for you against uh, Stranraer. So that puts you through to uh, a tie with Motherwell. Is that correct? Yeah, quarterfinals on Saturday. Um, yeah, looking at today, it was. It could have been one of those games where it was a potential banana skin, but you know we we were professional enough and stuck to the game plan, and you know we moved the ball well, and you know we took our chances. This competition, I know, was was Hibbs's sort of holy grail, wasn't it? Until you you finally won it again in 2016, uh, the first time in 114 years you'd won the trophy. Can you go all the way this season? Well, I think everyone in there is like would like to think that they've got a chance of winning it. Um, obviously, being there, I've done it before. Um, it would be very nice to do it again. Everyone wants a bit of silverware, uh, but we obviously know. It's not easy. It's not going to be handed to us. We have to earn the right, and we have to go again on on um, on Saturday against Motherwell. Another another tough tie, but if you come through that, then you you never know. We can start to believe, and um, hopefully we can maybe get our hands on it again. Martin, as a as a as a player, I've got to ask. Like so, when you see um, Rangers and Celtic uh, drawn in a fourth round, obviously Rangers go through today. But you you see an opportunity if you can. Um, you know, progress in the competition that one of the bigger teams are out. How do, does that feel as if there's more of an opportunity? Do players think of that? We, we personally haven't thought of it. Obviously, we, we look at the tie and we think, well, you know, it's, it's a great tie, you know, so we'll be keeping eyes on that. But like you say, whoever progresses from that is, 
likely going to be the favourites to lift the cup. Um, yeah. In all honesty, um, two top teams and the way Rangers are playing at the moment, you know, unbeaten in the league and they're already champs. You'd probably like to think that they're favourites at the moment, but I think if we can maybe go under the radar, quietly do our thing, and you know, yeah. hopefully cause a, a few upsets along the way. Martin, yeah, you were an unused sub in the in the final against Rangers back in 2016. You won three two that day. What do you remember of of that particular afternoon? That must have been something a bit special. Yeah, I don't remember much. I remember the party, <laughs> which is it was a bit silly at the end, but I think it was just the atmosphere, taking an atmosphere, um, and obviously the way it happened um, in the last minute. You know, the captain going up, scoring, and the fans on the pitch and all that. It was, you know, it was really special. And, you know, we had a bus parade where there was like 250,000 people in the middle of Edinburgh. It was, it was special. And, I mean, you know, just your family's been there and being really proud of you and what you've you've obviously achieved. Um, obviously, not getting onto the pitch was slightly disappointing, but at the end of the day, I had a medal and I'm really proud of that. And I think throughout the tournament, I can look back and, and say that I did you know, I, I participated in, in, you know, getting there. It might be a bit different, of course, if you do get there this year, because there'll be no fans, or at least there aren't at the moment. Just give us a, an insight into uh, playing as a professional at the moment when there's nobody in the stands. Is, is it strange? Does it feel like you're playing a, a training session or, or is it a case of when you get over the white line, it's, it's all the same? Yeah, it's obviously different. I think... Now that we're almost at the end of the season, it's kind of at the back of your mind. Um, I think at the start of the season, prime examples, the fake crowd noises coming through the tannoys at Easter Road. and I'd already scored and I'm running back to halfway line and it was delayed and then they started cheating again. So it was, you know, it was, it was kind of unsync and it was, it was weird. But at the same time, it's, um, it seems to be working for us at the moment. <laughs> uh, obviously, we'd love the fans there to be sharing. The, the good season that we're having um, but at the same time I think it was, it's just the atmosphere that you miss you know and scoring goals and celebrating in front of fans and maybe maybe it might be affecting some players performances this year um, in terms of getting that, that them behind you or maybe some players are playing even better because there's no fans getting on the back and it might sound kind of weird but it might be working like that. And obviously we've, we've a few young guys in our team that, you know, the young left back breaking through at the moment, Josh Doig, he's been fantastic. He, he hasn't played in front of a fan yet. <laughs> so he's having a remarkable season, but, you know, we always wind them up. We're like, are you, any, are you even any good? Can, can you play in front of fans and that? So, <laughs> so we just wind them up. But like you're saying, it, it, it'd be a complete, I imagine it'd be a complete shock to when, you know, the, the fans come back. Yeah, it can work both ways, can't it, I guess. Um, this has been by far your best season in terms of a goal return since you were uh, playing in the second division, as mentioned at the outset with Montrose. Why has it all come together uh, for you this season, do you think? Um, I think I'm just getting more freedom. Um, whether I'm right wing back or playing up front, um, I'm just getting a bit more freedom. And, you know, I'm just they're trying to get me in the ball as much as possible, isolating um, you know, one v ones and try and be as positive as I can and get my shots away. Um, so yeah, obviously, I think everyone's just starting to click into place. Um, 
I'd probably say I'm a bit more experienced and I think probably what helped me a lot was being injured for for 11 months kind of spurred me on a, a little bit of lost time and maybe learning more about the game and positions I can take up whether when I wasn't injured you know maybe I was a bit bit of a headless chicken rather about the pitch um, but I think I've learned a bit more about the game and you know maybe even if it's walking into the park a couple of yards and picking up that dangerous face where I can collect the ball and you know it seems to be working obviously I'm on penalties which is a boost that helps the numbers <laughs> absolutely I mean I've missed one but I've still scored five so I'm, yeah. I think my next one uh, the boys will be pressuring me you, you touch on that Martin in terms of you had that period where, where, where you were out injured and as a footballer you need a lot of you need a lot of luck eh? I mean in terms of staying fit and healthy and and this, this has been a, a wonderful season for you for staying fit and healthy and, and obviously confidence grows, um, you know, with being able to back up. Jack Ross also, um, you know, how much of a role has, has he played? He's obviously uh, got a, a great reputation as a, as a young up-and-coming manager. Um, he seems to be doing a wonderful job there. You must be enjoying your, your time under him. Yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant since he walked in the door. Um, he obviously came in as I was coming back from injury. Um, which maybe gave him a little bit of a boost. Uh, it certainly gave me a boost because I felt like a new player and I had a lot to offer. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's been brilliant straight away. And, you know, he's always said, try to get that numbers up, try to get as much goals and assists as, as you can. And, um, and that's, you know, that's what I've done. And multiple times I've sat me down for the week and, you know, we've just, just chat. He's, he's a great man manager and he's, he's had a, a fantastic season uh, with him at the moment. So, Hopefully he can stick around if there's anyone sniffing. Um, Martin, you've also become a bit of a marked man. I know you've been fouled more than any other player in the Scottish Premier League, according to the stats. Now, I do have to ask you this. This has led to a couple of accusations of diving. Um, and I want to read this quote out. John Hughes of Ross County, when you played them recently, said of you, the last time I saw a dive like that, the boy had speedos on. <laughs> Is that a little bit unfair? To be fair, I, I laugh it off. I mean, I remember getting on the bus after the game. We've just won. And I'm looking at my phone, I'm getting tagged and all this. And you've got to laugh. I mean, I, I remember speaking about it a few days ago in the media. It's Some things managers say is bizarre. I mean, it was a clear penalty at the end of the day. And yeah. Obviously, he was a bit frustrated. But at the end of the day, um, he was obviously not happy at the point. And, you know, sometimes... When they say stuff like that, it gets a big reaction, and you know some people uh, think it's funny and stuff like that. But obviously, at the same time, it could probably have an effect on me where referees might be seeing things different and actually thinking, well, is he is he actually getting tackled or is he is he going down soft? And I always say maybe the way I shift the ball and the way I move and the speed I move is it could be quite tough. I mean, I'm only 68 kg when there's big boys. <laughs> um, thrown me about it can be quite tough at times um so sometimes it is hard to, to stay in feet but you, you always you always see players as soon as there's contact and that's it you go down and you know some people get away with it some people don't and, and right and john john hughes uh yogi as they call him here boys in in, in scotland he's a bit of a character eh? um so he doesn't mind coming out with the odd bit that um you know the media have a little bit of fun with and it was funny because I'd done the I'd done the Rangers Hibs game uh, last weekend. Uh, obviously, the Martin was involved in, and um, he picked up a yellow card in that game. And to be to be honest with you, 
the referee for me had an absolute nightmare because again, Martin, you were traveling at speed, you shifted the ball well. There, there was contact. He wasn't searching for, for a penalty as such. And the referee, uh, you know, booked Martin, which for me was, was totally wrong. So as he's touched on there, sometimes you do, uh, you know, referees and other people read these kind of comments and it can sometimes hamper you in future games as well. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to his comments, it might, there might be referees meetings where instances like that do happen. And obviously I've ran into the box at speed and I've ran into two six foot three guys and I've fell over, not thinking anything of it, not claiming for a penalty. By the time I get to my feet, it's a it's a yellow card in my face. Yeah. Then I'm at risk for the rest for the rest of the game. Um, which obviously I can't say I've had much red cards, but <laughs> you know, I could just take a slip or something accidental happening or so something yeah. like that could happen. But yeah, obviously it, it, it plays a big part of the game. Maury, can can I just confirm something here that you defended an attacker over a defender there. Can we just Mate, place that on record? I, I did, and I was working for Rangers <laughs> team. <laughs> I was doing it with Alan Hutton, Martin. You'll know Alan Hutton. And to be fair, me and, me and Hutts were like, there's no, there's no way that, that, that that's a yellow card because there was contact. You've gone to ground. You weren't even looking for a free kick or a penalty. He was just looking to get up. And next minute, he's got a yellow card in his face. So it was very, very harsh. Those, those it could be time to start wearing the speedos on the outside of the shorts. <laughs> well, it's a, it, was, it was a great game of football. It was an entertaining game. And then I'm doing media after the game. And it, apparently, that was a talking point where yeah. I thought nothing was coming of it. And nobody else thought anything was coming of it. And I, I just don't see why it was a talking point. Those those Aussie links they 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 run deep with Maury, you see even even when it comes to attackers and defenders, which which leaves us leads us nicely on to um, Australia, uh, and the fact that of course despite your accent you are uh, a fully fledged Socceroo, um, thanks to your dad who was born in Sydney. Um, t- tell us a little bit little bit about your dad if you if you're willing to. Did did you grow up with that sort of Aussie culture around you or or not really? Not really, no. He's obviously my grand and all that lived over there, and you know, obviously he was born over there. And I think he moved back when he was around 15, 15 years old, back to Scotland, where originally my great grandfather and mother were born. So I think the idea was always to come back. So they've obviously moved over, and you know, they've probably enjoyed a bit of time over there, and they've moved back. And out comes me, and you know, I'm fully Scottish, and. But, but growing up, it was, um, I think it was when I was playing at Montrose, we always had the idea, like we knew that I could represent Australia, but it was how, how do we do it? <laughs> it was, yeah. that was the key. It was like, oh, do we, do we email someone or do we pick up the phone <laughs> or like, <laughs> how does, how do things like, how do you let people know if you know, what I mean? to know. like it's, yeah, like it's it can be it was it was strange. Um and obviously Jamie McLaren and Mark Milligan signing for Hibs kinda you know, it, it passed away and you know, thankfully it, it worked out that way. Um so it was it was as, it was as simple as that, was it? It was a, a conversation with, with Jamie McCar- McLaren and Mark Milligan. Yeah, because obviously when Jamie first signed and all the boys were winding him up saying that I could represent Australia and he was just laughing off saying yeah, good one. <laughs> Fully Scottish guy. He's having us yeah. on. But yeah, I mean, little talk like that goes a long way. And obviously, 
Mark Milligan coming in after the World Cup for us and you know he, yeah. he was obviously the captain and you know Graham Arnold flew over to watch a training session and talks got going and he obviously watched the game and and liked what he's seen. You've said you've said a couple of times. I don't I don't know you've said it in jest, but you know this fully Scottish guy playing for Australia. When you made your <laughs> debut against South Korea at Suncorp in Brisbane, had you actually ever been to Australia before? No, so all the media was building up to that. If you say I first stepped in to Australia for the first time, which I was more nervous for the media rather than the games, which was was strange. Um, uh, like I, I took the questions with a pinch of salt. It was probably like joining a new team where you, you knew you had to maybe impress or that was it. I mean, what Graham Arnold done and the Federation done is, is took a massive, you know, I wouldn't say, well, maybe a gamble um, in terms of seeing what I had, I was capable of. Um, and thankfully, you know, I, I played a part in two games and, you know, it worked out brilliantly. And um, thankfully the, the guys over there you know, took a shine to me, hopefully. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's crazy how it worked out, and I have no regrets. I'm very proud of of what I've what I've done, and even if the two games were the games, and they were like, well, you know what, we haven't seen enough. Mm-hmm. I'd still be very proud and and what I achieved. Uh, look, you, you've got a, you've got a future uh, with the with the Socceroos, mate. That goes without saying, but. Um, mate, interesting. So your first time in Australia, Suncorp Stadium. It's a stadium that I know very, very well. Um, but what was your what was your thoughts of Australia? I mean, because that's a wonderful stadium. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a great football stadium. Um, conditions. Well, when was the game? Uh, was it was it in the hot months? It's always no, hot in Brisbane. I think it was it? November. <laughs> I think it was November. November, November. So how did you I find? I think it the, was the last <laughs> camp. Yeah, it was the last camp for the Asia Cup. Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I mean, the the flight was long. I could say that <laughs> it was um, slightly jet lagged, um, but it was brilliant. Um, obviously, traveling traveling with uh, Milligan was was a pinch of salt. It was brilliant, and obviously, getting there and having to sing the national anthem for your for your initiation was was uh, was was tough, but it was good. Um, yeah. You know, it kind of made me feel at home and it kind of made me feel welcome. But in terms of entering the country for the first time, it was, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. Brisbane was, was brilliant, um, lovely place. And I hadn't, I had no idea what the stadium was like. And obviously pulling up to it the, the day before the game and, you know, just taking it all in. It was brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. Probably one of the best stadiums I've played in. What, what's... Um... What do your family think about your uh, decision, Martin? Were they fully in support of it? Because, of course, you played for the, the Scotland junior teams as well. Yeah, they were they were fully for it. And like you say, it was, there's been not just me in this situation, but there's also been people that have chosen different um, countries to represent. And, you know, personally for me, I thought it was the best route to go down. And like you say, from speaking to Graham Arnold early on, inviting me along to the first Dubai camp um, for a week. And I, I always say it to this day, and I back up, well, I can't back up, but even if I got invited along to the camp and they were like, wait, that's it. Then I wouldn't have went back and tried to represent for Scotland. I think that would have been it. I mean, I would have been happy for just getting invited along. And like I say, I'm thankful that it's, it's all worked out. Um, of course, 
you, you scored twice in your first start against uh, Lebanon and everything was building up quite nicely for the Asian Cup in 2019. And then you, you go and suffer that horrendous knee injury against Oman in a warm-up friendly. Uh, is that the biggest disappointment of your career so far, having to miss that tournament? Yeah, by far, 100%. Um, <clears throat> it's just hard to put in the words. It was even the challenge. It wasn't even It wasn't even bad. The guys just accidentally hit my knee and I've ran it off. And two minutes later, I've tried to turn and it's. I've just heard a little crunch, thinking nothing of it. Um, it was strange because I still had all the movements and, and the strength of my leg. And they sent me for a scan in Dubai and... Um, got the results a day later and you know I just got pulled into the doctor's office and basically he put his arm around me and he was like it's you've got a slight tear in my lateral meniscus and it's um, it's not looking great um, so I was like wow um, obviously looking at it back then I tried to, everything to play through it I was like is it something I can play through can I get an injection or just trying everything to be honest I didn't really want to head back um, and then speaking to speaking to Graham Arnold, and you know it was it was just devastating because I had had about ten family members flying over to watch the games as I was flying back to get an operation, which wasn't ideal. It would have been the first time my dad would have seen me represent um, Australia and and stuff like that. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't nice, but at least at least they they had a good trip out of it. I told them to stay. They they didn't want to enjoy it, but. <laughs> I told them to stay and watch the games and they stayed and watched the three games. You know, they, they made a bit of a holiday of it. Um, so yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't ideal, but like yeah. I say, it's it's just one of those things that, that's happened. It's it's the life of a footballer, isn't it? Uh, ups and downs um throughout all your career. Um I guess uh, one of the bonuses um, for you now is that you've got uh, a Socceroos teammate as well. You, you mentioned Jamie McLaren and um, and Mark Milligan, who you played with, but um, they've gone. But you've got another one now at Hibernian, Jackson Irvine. And the two of you seem to have a, an almost instinctive uh, understanding on the pitch, both for, for club and country. Yeah, Jacko's a top man. He's been brilliant for us. I think he's really, I think he's, he's brought us on to that next level. He's, 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 he's got a bit of everything. You know, he's good in the air, great energy, big long legs. He's great at passing. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's just an all rounder. Um, you forgot the moustache. The, the moustache. He's long hair. He's gorgeous, long hair. He's, <laughs> he's wild. He's wild gear, um, which is, which is something. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, it's quite fascinating seeing him every morning. He's, he's always rocking up in something different, which is, it is good. He's, you know, every, all the boys buzz off it, which is, which is class. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been fantastic for us, and obviously. I think everyone at the club would like them to stick around, but but who knows the way he's playing at the moment. And yeah, since he's came in, he's we've had a good understanding where, you know, I make those runs, and you know, he's thankfully he's been he's been able to find me. I just want to ask you, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, one more before we move on to some uh, Twitter questions to finish, Martin. Um, you're married to a footballer. Uh, Rachel Small, who plays, or Rachel Boyle as she is these days, who plays for Hibs Ladies. Um, is there any getting away from football in your house? And and when Scotland play Australia in in any sort of international sport, is do you have to put a dividing line on the sofa in the house? <laughs> we obviously we have we've got a, 
a two-year-old where um, we always laugh and joke that I say she'll play for the Matildas and then that's where she'll butt in and say she's playing for Scotland. Um, so we're not forcing uh, our little one to play football. We can make our own choice. But if it does come down to that, then I'll, uh, I'll be pushing towards towards that. Um, but yeah, look, it's great. Um, sometimes you can come home and, you know, we can stick on match of the day and we can watch it together instead of watching a film, which is great. It's great crap. <laughs> is she your worst critic, uh, Martin? Is she your worst critic? No, maybe sometimes I'll get that. Should have done better there or something <laughs> like that. But nah, we'd, we'd, we'd honestly, we'd take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, if we, if we both get beat on the weekends and we won't talk about it, if we have positive results, then it's a happy home. But like you say, because <laughs> we're so into the football and it's it's all we have. Um, I think our little daughter, Amelia, you know, it can it, we come home and you know, it can take your mind off football, which is great. Um, it's not always football, but you know, we have that to take our minds off it, and which is yeah, it's it's been good. Okay, let's let's finish off with uh, a few Twitter questions. Um, I'll start with this one. Our question of the week. $100 Outback voucher going to Ben B. Uh, and Ben asks, would you ever consider playing in the A-League in a few years' time? I think it's just something that I've always spoke to my wife and, you know, something that I'd always want to do, yeah. Um, I'm not getting any younger, which is another thing. And obviously I'd like to... I've been in Scotland all my life and obviously I'd like to... I'd like to go over there or, or somewhere else, perhaps. Um at the same time, I've still got two years left at Hibs. So who knows? But at the same time, it would always be nice to, even if it was just a season over there, um, hopefully, well, maybe not near the end of my career, hopefully I've got a lot to offer if I do go over there. Um, but yeah, are you, are you like more, are you like Maury? Are you like Maury and struggle with the sun? <laughs> oh, I hate sun. I hate it. I hate, I hate, I hate <laughs> sun. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> But oh, I'm just gosh. thinking which club in Australia can sit, we can send you to. If, Wellington. Uh, if you hate the he sun. can go to Wellington <laughs> in New Zealand. <laughs> Do they have aircon in the stadiums by any chance? <laughs> um, Martin, this one from uh, Samuel82. We sort of touched on this a little bit already, but do you get much criticism from the Scottish sports press for choosing Australia over Scotland? And as a second part to his question, also, how excited are you for the Scots to be participating in the Euros? I wouldn't say criticism, though. Um, sometimes it'd be like, have you made the right decision? Probably, maybe because they have done well recently and they've qualified for the Euros, a major tournament. And then sometimes you'll get people saying, oh, you've missed out and stuff like that. But like I say, I've no regret whatsoever. Um, and I, I feel like I've made the correct decision. And, yeah, I'll be fully supporting them. Obviously, my wife plays for Scotland. Um, and I have family members and I have good good friends in the Scotland squad. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be cheering them on. Okay. Um, sorry again? Maury, go especially, on. Especially against England in the Euros. They've got a, they've got a good group. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely Wembley. Oh, come on. That's an easy three points for us. Um, <laughs> ben Archer asks, any this is an interesting one. You might not want to answer this one, Martin. I don't know. But uh, he says, any truth in the rumour that you're being linked with an English Premier League team in the Midlands next season? Aston Villa, Wolves or West Brom? Uh, 
don't know where he's got that from. Any truth in that? That would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> does he know something I don't know? Is that my agent, by any chance? I have no <laughs> um, idea. I can't. I honestly, I don't. I can't imagine. So no. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing at the moment. And if there's any speculation, it's speculation. But like I say, it's it's one of those that I've definitely not heard about. So it's okay. new to me. <laughs> right. Um, a slightly different tact. Uh, Lee Broxham Facts asks, I noticed your gaming setup last year. What video games are you playing at the moment? <laughs> yeah, I quite like my game itself. I'm sitting here just now. Uh, I play a lot of FIFA, a lot of Call of Duty. Like you say, a lot of footballers have a bit of spare time. and Maybe you can obviously link up with friends that are miles away from you. Um, you could you could probably play anywhere, and you know it's something I like to do, and it keeps my mind off everyone else, apart from chasing after a two year old and getting shouted at from the wife. <laughs> okay, uh, two more, and then we'll throw to spiders. Always has the final words. Always has the final question. Uh, Nick Rojas, what are your thoughts on Vegemite on toast? These are really cerebral questions this week. Sorry about this, Martin. <laughs> I had tried it for the first time. In Dubai, I think the first camp, and they, I wasn't a fan because it's like it's like a marmite, is it? It's That's right. Along yeah. that, no, it's not a marmite. It's Vegemite, mate. It's, Get it right. It's, it's along the same lines. So, some people love it, some people hate it, and I, I, I mean, I haven't took to it. I never know, never know. I might, I might, but I'm more of a, <laughs> I'm not, more of a chocolate not spread convinced. kind of guy. <laughs> he's not convinced. <laughs> oh dear! And the, the lads this... in the squad buzz off it. They 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 think it's the best thing ever. Um, obviously I tried it and yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the taste to start with. But you like, never know. Things change. I'm with you, Martin. It's garbage. Um, Paul Duncan. <laughs> Paul Duncan asks simply: Rangers or Celtic? That's such a Scottish question. That it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no preference, honestly. <laughs> The two top teams have achieved a lot. I, I, honestly, it doesn't bother me the slightest. Very diplomatic, Martin. Right, Spider, over <laughs> to you. Off right. you go. All right, Martin, the fans always want to know the favourite, your best stadium that you've played at and the biggest dungeon you've played at. Um, obviously, the, the Brisbane stadium was, was really nice. That was brilliant. Um, Suncorp, yeah, and the Sydney. What was um, I'm not familiar with names, but that was Sydney that was great. Park. Yeah, yeah, and then I've obviously played at Celtic Park and Ibrox as well. Which mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go Ibrox on atmosphere. Um, mm. Obviously, I haven't had a taste of a proper full international um, packed out stadium, but I think in terms of atmosphere and when you enter the stadium and you. You know, you get that wee bit of oh, could be spicy today. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ibrox. And the biggest dungeon. And the biggest dungeon. The worst, the worst place you've played at. Here in Scotland, to be honest, they're not, they're not dungeons, but they're obviously they're obviously part-time teams and stuff like that. Uh, Mate, they're dungeons. There's got to be some dungeons in Scotland, mate. Let me give you the tip. There's got to be some dungeons. 
there's multiple dungeons in Scotland, but they're way down the lower leagues. And I have been a lot. To be fair, I have played at every stadium in Scotland. Going way back to my Montrose days, I've visited them all, and yeah, there's a few dungeons. I'm not naming names. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I don't think Montrose's home ground was that glamorous either, was it, Martin? Was it Link? Is it Links Park, Montrose? Is that right? Links Park. That's paradise. Astroturf, big stand, <laughs> House, houses in the background. Fantastic. I love that. Oh, happy days, particularly in the middle of January. Um, Martin, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thanks so much for your time. We wish you all the very best in your quest uh, for that Europa League spot. You're looking pretty good on it at the moment. And um, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you playing for the Socceroos in, in Kuwait in 40 degree heat in, in June, July. That'll be fun. I can't wait. I just to be honest, that it's obviously going to be going to be hot, but like you say, it's going to be the same for every other team. Um, it's just how we adjust to it better. Um, yeah, so fingers crossed and get a selection and and bring this form in the in the nationals. Thanks, Martin. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, very good of you to join us, and uh, good luck, mates. Yeah, we uh, we look forward to seeing you in the green and gold again soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers, mate. Cheers. That's uh, Martin Boyle, and that is us for another week. Join us again next week for another Shim, Spider, and so much more. See you then. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.